let him be with you there, even in the memories that are painful. Let him heal your damaged emotions. It won't happen overnight. The process will take place over a long period of time. It'll take place in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It will take place most of all in a loving community of other believers. If it's been a while since you've plugged in somewhere, opened yourself up somewhere with someone, with a group, everybody needs a group. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Well, I want to welcome everybody to this episode of the Shepherd and the Shrink, which is the Shepherd and the Shepherd. Marty is working with a patient that needed extra help today, and I'm really glad to be able to bring to you this content. We've been talking about kind of 2022, two or better than one, building relationships, and we've been working on this idea that comes from an ancient or a longtime Christian practice that a Methodist pastor actually heard 60 years ago, a Catholic nun talk about, and that was healing for damaged emotions. You know, Hebrews 13, eight says, Jesus is the the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. In other words, the healing that we need, the saving that we need, the guidance that we need, the wisdom, the love, the mercy that we need. It's not just available for someday. It's available right now. Yes, today, it says, and yesterday, and the idea of how can we bring that healing, that love into our past, because a lot of us need some healing from our past. And we're jumping right in today with this. Again, thank you so much, all of you who are supporting us on Patreon. It is so encouraging that our community of listeners is growing, and we're grateful to be able to do all this. You know, Marty foots a lot of the bill in order to get this message out and to get the great work that he does out. I'm just glad to be along for the ride. But I want to begin with two scripture passages, and I want you to listen. This is so interesting. You know, the Bible is 66 ancient documents written over about 1,600 years on three continents, see if you can guess the continents, and written in three languages, mostly Hebrew for what we call the Old Testament or the Hebrew scriptures, and Greek, the New Testament, we call, which is kind of about the life of Christ and the early church. And there is some Aramaic thrown in. But I want to talk about two passages from the New Testament as we begin. What does this healing look like? And I want to talk with you about how you can deal with Satan's deadliest weapon. The first verse comes from Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, this is Paul writing to the Christ followers, the early Christians in the city of Ephesus, which was a massive center of everything back in its day. Now it's a bunch of rubble, but that small group of Christians grew and is now, has now led to us around the world. Kind of interesting. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In that interesting, so much of our struggle feels like flesh and blood in our face. But Paul is suggesting there is a spiritual dimension that is the true enemy of our souls. And it's the devil's schemes. On top of that, I want to share what John, the apostle, we believe the one that was with Jesus, the youngest of the 12, the only one that wasn't martyred, murdered for his faith. He lived to be an old man. He was put in exile on the island of Patmos. But he wrote, many scholars believe, the gospel of John. This is way after the rest of the disciples, the original 12, would have been killed. And he wrote three short letters talking about what does this look like? What does this community look like? And then he wrote the revelation when he was on this exile island of Patmos. And this is from his first of those three short letters, 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He writes this, how great the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we're God's children, and what we will has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Interesting, in the midst of all this love, there is this force that's against God. Satan likes to hunt swans. Have you ever heard about the swan? It's one of the reality TV shows that they really eliminated about 10 years ago. It only lasted for two seasons, and it was sort of like extreme makeover. It was a reality show, but it doesn't just make ordinary people celebrities. The show, the show actually changes ordinary people until they fit Hollywood standards. So what they did in this TV show is they took 16 average looking women and they are quote unquote transformed with the help of plastic surgery, liposuction implants, a personal trainer, and even psychological counseling until three months later, they have been carved into beauty queens. Satan loves to hunt swans. You know, these extreme makeover shows, not extreme home makeover show. That's pretty amazing. They really lost favor about 10 years ago. They were so controversial. And some people criticized him for reinforcing unachievable body image goals among both women and men. And it's believed by critics that the show also implies that this idealized beauty can only be found through the aid of cosmetic surgeons. Placing beauty as a relatively unachievable goal for most people. Like with the case of Extreme Makeover, it's understood that the show's producers were not establishing the standards of idealized beauty, but instead they were just profiting from them, as well as perpetuating these ideals. And it, the further perpetuation of these difficult to achieve and debatably unhealthy beauty standards have given rise to this whole critical assessment of Extreme Makeover, as well as other shows like it. But you know what's amazing is we still fall for it. Despite all the criticisms, despite that they went off the air in terms of network television, they are all over the internet. You don't have to scan very far on Instagram. And, you know, all of these noble people have a couple thousand, few thousand people. All of these people who have run with the idealized beauty 
kind of a thing have hundreds of thousands or more followers. So as much as we say, oh, this is a not a good thing, we fall for it big time. While there's nothing wrong with being nice looking or improving your physical health, the message of these shows and the message of all of these channels and all of these accounts on Instagram, that acquiring good looks will improve your whole life is still there. It is still a reality, even though we think we're smarter than that. On that old show, the one that I mentioned, The Swan, you get a view into people's lives. One of the women was an emotional wreck, obsessively whiny and negative and unhappy. And then once she comes beautiful, the show suggests she'll be able to quote unquote, like herself. Another woman has a husband who's distant and apathetic. And once she's beautiful, her husband will love her, right? Yeah, right. Satan loves to hunt swans. The swan takes his name from Hans Christian Andersen's classic tale, The Ugly Duckling. On TV, it seems to work, but the show misses the point. The ugly duckling learns that he's a different kind of being from those petty, mean ducklings who make fun of him because of his looks. He learns that he does not have to conform to the duck ideal because he is something even better. The Swans contestants, on the other hand, torture themselves to be like their fellow ducklings, looking like a duck and quacking like a duck. <laughs> Can you imagine a swan getting neck reduction surgery or a beak job? Here's the thing, though. We fall for it. Even now, even after the show got taken off the air due to criticisms, we fall for this idea that if we can just look together, somehow it's going to cover up the damage that we've carried around. It is a spiritual battle. And we have the opportunity every day to suit up or not. But the problem is, is these damaged emotions. You know, do these exterior things that we can try to do for ourselves cover up these damaged emotions? Hollywood, the internet, Instagram would like us to think it can because it gets more and more followers no matter what. But you know the answer and so do I. Of course, they would because all Hollywood can offer us is newer, better, high sheen gloss. And when we buy into that, it only makes us an easier target for Satan's deadliest weapon. I haven't named the weapon yet. Can you guess? The truth is your damaged emotions, my damaged emotions cannot be solved by plastic surgeons. We Christians, even after we give our lives to Jesus, we're still under attack from Satan. I believe in Satan. Marty talks about him more than I do. Interesting. Satan is not just a cartoon. I don't think he wears red tights. I don't think he carries a pitchfork, has a goatee, but I believe in the reality of Satan. I believe Satan is a being opposed to God and opposed to people in God's image. According to the Bible, Satan knows your weakness. He understands your infirmities and he uses them against you. Interesting, though, the Bible doesn't talk much about Satan's power as much as his extreme subtlety, his trickery, his deceptiveness. Satan knows how to exploit your weaknesses and to discourage you and to disappoint you, to make you feel like a failure giving up on the Christian life. His powerful weapons are fear and doubt and anger, hostility, worry, and guilt. Basically, Satan is a leech. He can't even offer anything better except to criticize. Satan is basically like a parasite. He's not equal and opposite of God. He's created being theologically, we would say. But he can only exist as the shadow because God is light. 
And these damaged emotions that you go through and I go through are hard to shake off, even after you claim the forgiveness of Christ and the pardon and grace that Jesus offers us. Jesus, I want to say, Jesus has shown you that you're a swan. But remember, Satan loves to hunt swans. But I think the biggest thing that many of us have been defeated by is his most powerful weapon. And it's this low self-esteem. Satan's greatest hunting weapon is low self-esteem. Low self-esteem has been defined as the gut level feeling of inferiority, inadequacy, loss of purpose and meaning, and low self-worth. And how ironic that low self-esteem shackles many of us, many of us Christians, in spite of spiritual experiences, faith, amazing grace, worship, knowledge of God's word. Although you understand that your position as a son or daughter of God is real, you're tied up in knots. You're bound by a feeling of inferiority and worthlessness, all because of Satan's greatest weapon, low self-esteem. So today in this episode, I want to look at four ways that Satan uses this deadly weapon so that we can know how to fight back. First, low self-esteem paralyzes your potential. Now, I have to admit, I am a possibility thinker. If you've been listening to the show, you know that I'm more wired that way than Marty. I'm sorry, but, and I know you might think this makes me shallow, but I can't help it. If you've ever done the Gallup poll strengths finder, one of my tests results was maximizer. I'm fascinated by strengths. I'm fascinated by transformation. And sometimes I can look at people and I see the awful impact of their feelings of inferiority. And if I'm honest, I know something about this because of my own insecurities, that my faith handing my life over to Christ has helped me so much with, but old habits die hard, don't they? The tragic loss of human potential, watered down living and wasted God-given gifts is enough to make me weep. And I look at just the deflation of people because of COVID, that people aren't as engaged. They're not looking forward to the future. They're more grabbing onto what they can from the past. And I think as much as that bums me out, I think God weeps over it too. And he's not angry. He's sad for what we are missing because he loves us infinitely. He loves you infinitely. So the question is, are you haunted by self-doubts, disappointments about who you are or what you can be? And chances are the whole thought of damaged emotions, those thoughts began in the crib or in kindergarten or got worse in the teen years. James Dobson shows low self-esteem far outranks every other problem among Christians. You know, there's Jesus' famous parable of the talents. The man with one talent was immobilized by fear and inadequacy. He was so afraid that the talent that he was given from the master who went away, he didn't invest it. He didn't know what to do with it. He buried it, trying to play it safe. And that man with the one talent did what a lot of people with low self-esteem do. He did nothing. That's exactly what Satan wants for you as a human being, as a Christian, as somebody even considering a spiritual life, that you be so tied up that you're tied down, you're frozen, you're paralyzed, you're fearful. You're settling for a job far below your potential. You're settling for a life far below your potential. Low self-esteem paralyzes your potential. The second thing low self-esteem does is it destroys your dreams. We can't live in our dreams 
We can't live on our dreams, but we do live by our dreams. You know, at Pentecost, which is a Christian celebration, it's the birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit came on the hearts of the Christ followers, all the Christ followers, not just the leaders. The prophecy of the Old Testament prophet Joel was fulfilled. Joel prophesied that your young men and women will see visions and your old men and women will dream dreams. The Holy Spirit helps us to dream bold dreams, to see visions of what God wants to do for us and in us. What God wants to do for you and in you, can you even imagine? And even more so, I think God has a plan to do some incredibly unique things through you for the world, for people around you. There are people that are perfectly lined up in God's mind that he wants to reach and he wants to reach them through you. He wants to encourage them through you. He wants to love them through you. God wants to serve them through you serving them. The Holy Spirit helps us to dream these bold dreams and to see visions of what God wants to do. My question is what bold dream does God want to do for you and in you and through you? You know, it's interesting in the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, scripture says it in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. That's Proverbs 29, 18. And our struggle with low self-esteem leads us to the wrong kind of vision about ourselves, the wrong kind of vision about your marriage, the wrong vision about what your relationships can be, about your ability to serve. But when we've got this low self-esteeming picture of ourselves as inferior, as unable to do this, as, oh, I suck at this, I suck at that, you're going to self-destruct. There's going to be nothing left. What's holding you back from dreams that you may have once had? Surely it's not God's voice but it's Satan's deadliest weapon. With Satan's deadly weapon of low self-esteem, he's tricked you into thinking of yourself as a duck, when in reality, you're already a swan. Fight back. William Carey said this, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Don't second guess what God wants to do through you. Don't lose God's dream for you in your low self-esteem. Name it, but don't let it name everything else. Don't underestimate what God wants to do through you. Low self-esteem destroys your dreams. And then the third thing low self-esteem does is it ruins your relationships. Low self-esteem spoils your relationships with other people because you're so focused on yourself. I'm so focused on myself when I'm having those bad days, when I'm battling inside myself, I've got no energy for anybody else. Low self-esteem ruins your relationships. Satan uses your nagging sense of inferiority, of inadequacy to isolate you, to frustrate you, to make you mad at yourself. And the focus is still on yourself. The most common way to cope is to pull in, to pull within yourself. Christ commanded that we love our neighbors as ourselves. But think about it. This implies how we see others is basic to our ability to relate with other people, how we see ourselves is so basic to our ability to relate with other people. Love our neighbors as we love ourselves. If our self-esteem is so low that we don't give a rip about ourselves, we're not going to care about other people, which science has shown is one of the most 
effective ways to live a healthy life, psychologically, socially, relationally, and even interiorly with ourselves, let alone making the world a better place. How we see ourselves is basic to our ability to relate to other people. When you devalue yourself, you become overly overly absorbed with yourself and you don't have anything left over to give to others. Low self-esteem robs you of healthy relationships. And then think about your relationship with God himself. If you think you're worthless, if you think you're inferior, you're going to think God really must not love you. It's like it's God's fault that you're this way. He could have made you differently. So though he cares for others and gives them lots of things, he really isn't so concerned about me. Or It's what we're tempted to think, isn't it? They're okay, but you're not, is what we tell ourselves. Once you become critical of the design of who you are, it's not long till you become critical of the designer, meaning God. And it ruins your relationship with him, not just with other people, all because of this deadly weapon of Satan's low self-esteem. Not only does it ruin your relationships, fourth, low self-esteem sabotages your Christian service. What's the greatest obstacle that prevents people from coming to faith in Christ? I believe it's they don't realize how loved they are because no one served them in that way. And if that's the case, then what's the greatest obstacle that prevents you and me as members of the body of Christ to function? What's the first thing people say when you ask them to do something? Oh, I can't stand in front of people. I'm not good at that. Oh, I don't have time for that. Oh, I'm not good enough. That would scare me to death. I'm not a minister. I'm not a pastor. Low self-esteem sucks. It robs you. It robs God of the awesome opportunities to show off his power, to show off his ability through our weaknesses. If my low self-esteem is preventing me from doing anything good for other people, anything good for the church, anything good for what God wants to see in people's lives, It's nothing but a thief and a liar, a robber. It robs God himself of these marvelous opportunities to show off his power, his ability through your weakness. I think that's the reason God chose the nation of Israel, surrounded by Egypt, surrounded by Babylon, surrounded by Greece, by Rome, by Assyria. And yet Israel, this tiny little country that kept getting trampled by all these big major cultures and empires around it is who God used. I think because it made God more believable. How could they even stand? How could they survive were it not for God? God loves to use our weakness. Paul himself said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. Why? Because they gave God such a wonderful chance to show off his perfection. Man, is that the gospel. I would rather glory in my infirmities because they gave God such a wonderful chance to show off his perfection. Our strength is found in our ability to lay ourselves down to submit that God would show off through us. You have no idea how incredible you've been made until you say, God, do what you can in me and through me. It is a life changer. That was my story. We've heard Marty's story more often, but you know, I wanted to be rich and famous. And then if I was struggling, I'd go into business. And then after that, I'd find a way to give back to the community. You know, what's 
the number one service opportunity, the number one service organization around the world globally is the church. Healthcare, food, supplying, every other way. But I thought, well, I don't have anything to offer. I was just a suburban white kid from Birmingham, Michigan. What did I have to give anybody? I didn't have a near-death experience. And yet God said, I'll take all that blandness and I'm going to show off for my glory, not for yours. It leads to a great question. What are you attempting right now that would fail apart from God's power? Let me ask it again. What are you attempting to do right now that would fail apart from God's power? How could God show off his power in your weakness? Has low self-esteem sabotaged your Christian service? You know, swans are powerful creatures. They're, they can be dangerous creatures. They can break an arm. As a swan, how do you defend yourself? How do you deal with Satan's deadliest weapon? Well, I think the healing of low self-esteem really hinges on a choice that you must make. And it's this, who will you listen to? Who will you listen to? Will you listen to the voice of culture? Will you listen to the voices to say, this is what real power is? Will you listen to Satan as he employs all the lies, all the distortions, all the pain, all the put downs and all the hurts of your past? Will you let him keep you bound by unhealthy feelings of yourself? No matter when they started, you know, when I was three, or four, maybe I was racing a big wheel with some kid in the neighborhood and I lost the race. I couldn't catch him. And I thought, I am not as good as, as these other guys. I am not as good at this kid. And he wasn't being gloating or mean about it, but that little thought, that little threat, that little frustration turned into a lifelong lie that I perpetuated. I'm not quite as good. And Satan loved to milk that as far as he could. So the healing of low self-esteem hinges on this choice that you must make. Who will you listen to? Will you listen to those little lies that, that are just small enough to be under the radar and you don't even realize them until you have some kind of spiritual experience that wakes you up to them? That's all Satan's got, lies, distortions, put-downs, and the hurts from your past. And he wants to milk them for as long as he can and allow whatever sin was there, whether it was a thought that you had or whether it was something done to you. He wants for that sin to have as long a life as, it's, as it can. Will you let him keep you bound by unhealthy feelings about yourself? Or will you listen to a new voice? which really isn't a new voice. It's the voice that's been there all along. Will you receive your self-esteem from God, from his word? God's word and God himself, they give us power for a new self-image. We are new creations in Christ. That's the cure, the transforming of your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Here's the deal. You cannot think wrongly and live rightly. You can't think wrongly. You can't build your life on 
falsehoods on truth. Jesus says that's like building a house on sinking sand. You can't build your house. You can't think wrongly and live rightly. What's your foundation? Who are you listening to? What thinking are you building upon? You cannot believe error and practice truth. There are so many voices in our culture, in our society, on our phones, inside us that are telling you you're not good enough or that you should be further along in life. You should have better relationships. You should be further along in spiritual things. But you know what? Those voices are not God's voices. That is not God's voice. And listen, if you're listening to a voice and it's not God's voice, you need to be done with it. That's frightening. If you're listening to a voice that is not the voice of truth, God holds nothing but love for you. There's a place in God's heart that only you can fill. Let me say that again. There's a place in God's heart that only you can fill. The Bible says the Lord delights in you. And that's the truth. The great commandment that Jesus lived out says, love the Lord with your whole being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. It does not mean love your neighbor and hate yourself. So whatever else that voice in you, wherever else that came from, whatever damaged emotion that was from, whatever those voices are telling you, what's going to be a swan or a duck? This week, as you hear this, do something about it, even something you're not sure that you're good at. Here's something fun that has turned into a totally enjoyable thing for me. And I don't like to try things if I don't already know that I'm going to be decent at them. Well, it was several years ago, my mom said, try painting a picture. So I pulled up one on my phone and I tried painting and she was so encouraging about it. This is my mom who's now in her 80s about five years ago. And it was painting with acrylics. And I was so afraid. I'm like, oh, this is a waste of paper. This is a waste of paint. You know, this is a waste of time. But you know what? With the encouragement and with trying it and with letting go of myself and not listening to those voices, it's become something that I love. It's become something that I can do and that I can share with people. It's kind of cool. I even got some prints made of a large painting of Hosta Gardens that I have. Let me know if you want one. Painting only costs you. My older sister, Marcy, who's a gifted painter, said, just go for it. Painting only costs you a piece of paper and a small amount of paint, even if it ends up stinky. I love that. It gave me the courage to try something. What is it that you're afraid to try because of the low self-esteem? And what's the real cost of giving it a shot? A few cents for a piece of paper, a few cents for some paint. What would that be in your life? Seriously, what's the worst that could happen? You know, the other thing, we can't imagine how we could be great at something, let alone let go of self-esteem. But it was Martin Luther King Jr. himself, Dr. King, who I'm a big fan of, said this, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. Jesus said, whoever is the greatest servant among you is the greatest among you. The lowest among you, the last among you will be the greatest servant for me. Tie that in with what MLK said. Anyone can be great because anyone can serve. That's all Jesus asks. I don't often put it in such do this now kind of a way. But what I would say is you decide right now, where will you get your idea of yourself? Where's that going to come from? From the ducks? 
from being controlled by other people's opinions, that's a guaranteed way to miss out on God's purposes for your life. So will your idea of yourself come from distortions from your childhood, from past hurts, from false ideas, from stupid stuff you did as a teenager that have been programmed into you? Or will you say, no, I'm not going to listen to these lies any longer. That voice is not God's voice. I will not listen to Satan, the liar, the confuser, the blinder, who twists things, who distorts things. I'm going to listen to God's opinion of me and let him reprogram me until his loving estimate of me becomes part of my life, right down to my innermost feelings. You know, it was a Catholic nun who prayed this prayer. Lord, help me believe the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it is. Think of it. You are a partner with God in this reprogramming and this renewal process. He doesn't take you over. He's not a dictator, not even a benevolent dictator. He gives you full choice to participate with him in all of it. The self-esteem, the serving, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness that he wants to fulfill in you. Here's something else interesting. The Holy Spirit is God who lives in you when you put your faith in Christ. Can you cooperate with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the process of this renewal in your life, this makeover in your life, but not the glossy, glam, glitzy, bling side, this deep down transformational thing that the Holy Spirit wants to begin in your life. And it may start as just a kernel, just a little nugget in your life. Let it be. Ask God to check you every time you belittle yourself. Here's a way to check. What do you say when someone compliments you? Do you see it as just a reminder of the love of God? Or do you have to deflect? Do you not realize or say, thank you, God? Let God love you. Let him teach you how to love yourself and how to love others. Let him heal your damaged emotions. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and yes, forever your past, your present, your future. Let him be with you there, even in the memories that are painful. Let him heal your damaged emotions. It won't happen overnight. The process will take place over a long period of time. It'll take place in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. It will take place most of all in a loving community of other believers. If it's been a while since you've plugged in somewhere, opened yourself up, somewhere with someone, with a group. Everybody needs a group. Maybe now's the time as, as COVID is lifting, as, as your gray outlook is lifting. Let the Holy Spirit cooperate and lead you into this time of Christ makeover. After all, a swan isn't fully grown overnight. So I want to close in prayer. I want you to um, say these words for yourself because I do believe this self-esteem, low self-esteem is one of Satan's greatest weapons and it prevents us. And if it's preventing us who believe, how much more is it preventing other people from even coming to hear about the good news? Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence in my life. Lord, help me not listen to the lies from the past any longer. Help me not listen to lies of Satan. 
who is the liar and the confuser, the deceiver, the blinder. He's the one who twists and distorts the truth. He's the one that says you have to get your exterior all perfect and then you'll be fine. But rather, God, I choose to listen to your opinion of me. Jesus, you loved the unlovable people. You love the unlovely people. You love the sick, the poor, the lame, the judgmental. You loved everybody. Lord, let me receive that personally. Let me receive you personally. I choose to listen to your opinion of me and to ask that you reprogram me until your loving estimate of me becomes part of my life, right down to my innermost feelings. God, transform us, Lord, by the renewing of our minds. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. I pray this week you would do something about that to combat those damaged emotions, the deadly weapon of low self-esteem. Because God loves you infinitely. He's crazy about you and there's nothing you can do about it. Live into that truth and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.